0: Welcome to The Crossing. Hey, while we're giving it up, let's give it up for South Shore and Plant City and our online campus. Welcome, welcome. I'm uh, Jonas Alday. I'm an executive pastor here at The Crossing, and uh, while we're giving it up, let's give it up for our great pastors, Pastor Greg, Pastor Tamar. We love y'all. Y'all are awesome. He's getting better and better every week. We get to spend more time with him. He's actually getting plugged back in in the office and having meetings and and so he's, he's, he's moving again, so things are going good for him. So just keep praying for your pastor and, and praying for his quick recovery. I can't wait to see him back in this pulpit uh, preaching. So I, I kind of hope he, I wished he would have been here to preach this one. Um, but we're in a series, and you'll know why in just a minute. We're in a series called Realignment. And what, what Realignment is all about is as we go through life, we tend to get out of line with God. Just like our back, you know, as we go through life, our back gets out of line. we got to go to the chiropractor and get it popped back in place. Uh, The same thing when you come to church, God has to move on a man of God or woman of God to stand in a pulpit and say, Hey, we need to get back in line with what God said. So in this series this month, um, I drew the short straw. So I get to talk about politics today. (laughs) Yeah, that's lots of fun. (laughs) So we're going to pray. Right now, because I need help. (laughs) Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for humor. I thank you for your anointing, for your power. I thank you for your presence. God, we ask that right now you would just lead us in this and help me to say what needs to be said and to not say what does not need to be said. We bind away all offense, everything that would trigger, everything that would aggravate, irritate, frustrate. We loose ourselves of that in Jesus' name. And Lord, help us to hear what you have to say about our situation in America and, and, and politically how we should stand at the polls. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to say first off that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. So I want, to, I want us to realize that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Pastor Hector has preached on this quite a, you know, uh, quite a bit, but our citizenship is in the kingdom. And then God placed us in America to make a difference for the kingdom. So the United States is not our, our place of citizenship, even though on the earth it might be. But our first place is citizenship in the kingdom. And so if we're citizens in the kingdom, we're also brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we're brothers and sisters in Christ, we can disagree on things and still stay in relationships. So even if we disagree, we still stay in relationships. I mean, y'all got a brother or sister. Do you agree with everything they say or do? Right, and you're still in a relationship with them. We are brothers and sisters, and we can stay in relationship. And I, may, I have done more studying, and not only me, I, I, I recruited half of our staff of pastors to study with me on this and do research for me. And so much research has gone into this message. Just on my part, I could have prepared three messages in the time it took me to do this one. Because I wanted to make sure that I was finding truth and there is an ocean of lies out there that you have to sift through to get down to truth to figure out what is really going on. So we're facing the head down that road right now and our responsibility in the kingdom is to bring the kingdom from the heavens into the earth according to Matthew 6, 9 and 10. It says your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the way that happens is God uses us to, to figure out his will in the heavens, in the word, and what he says, and to bring it into the earth by our actions and what we do. The dilemma we have in America, in American politics, is, is, is the ocean of lies I just referred to. And first we'll start with the media. The media seeks to, to move us in a direction. I don't care what news channel it is, if it's, if it's you know, conservative or liberal, it doesn't even matter. They, they're seeking to move us in a direction and take us in, in a way they want us to go. So they're lying to us, they're over-informing us, they're giving us disinformation, and they're hiding information. There's, an, a, there's, there's a, a theory out there that was coined in 1937, I believe it was, it's called Agenda-Setting Theory. So I want you to go research it. I'm not, I don't have time to explain it today, but pretty much what it does is it leads you down a path of belief that when you get to the conclusion, you think that it was your idea and not theirs. And this is what the media does to us every day. They lead us down a path and deceive us. So th- so then we, we, we came out with fact-checking websites. Well, you know, political parties figured out, well, that's cool. I can start a fact-checking website and I can check only my facts to be true and the other guys' facts to be false. So you have political parties who have who who have who started fact-checking websites. Factcheck.org was is and you have to always follow the money. If you look at a fact-check website, figure out where the money comes from and that's who's calling the shots. I promise you. I could dig into this and we would stay here all day. I got to keep moving. Social media, and I'm going to give you a lot of things and I'm going to hit the top of a lot of things, but I need you to go do research and we have a lot of that research on our website. There's a vote page that you can go to and we've put a lot of resources out there for you to look at And to educate yourself. And and don't just stop there. Continue to research. And don't just do it with one Google search. Because I promise you, Google's in on it too. Along with Facebook, Instagram, you know, all these other ones. Twitter, all of them. They're all in it together. And they want us to believe something. And they want to take us down a path. So how do we make the most of a bad situation? You do like my dad always told me to do. He says, son, don't, don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do. So you can't listen to what's said. You got to watch what's done. So what we have to do is first we have to know the Bible. We have to know what we believe as Christians, as believers. Then we have to know party platforms because if someone is part of a party, they have said to that party, I will support your platform and I will vote according to your platform. So we can go look at their platform. The problem with platforms is they have lawyers and people in media that write their platforms, and they're so hard to understand sometimes, they could say one thing, but it actually means another thing. So then you have to go look at how that party votes and that person votes, uh, what policies they uphold, what they voted on, uh, what laws they put in place, what they supported, what they didn't support, and then where's their money coming from? That's a good question because where their money comes from is the ones pulling the strings. But anyway, vote who aligns with your biblical belief. So we're going to talk about uh, three topics today, three big topics. There's a lot we could talk about, but I think these are three of the biggest that Christians need to be concerned about. And we have others on our website that you can go look at. I I, I encourage you, please, everyone, go visit our website, the vote page, and educate yourself. So first I'm going to say what God said. And I'm going to say party A lines up like this and party B lines up like this. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Democrat-Republican or Republican-Democrat. You don't know who A and who B are. And I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to trigger nobody. And I just want you to figure it out for yourself. And I'm not going to talk about, you know, libertarians and all of them because they don't really hold any power right now. I mean, it'd be good if they did, but they don't. So we're going to talk about the two that do. And if you're a libertarian, don't get mad at me. I probably agree with you somewhat in areas. I I just talked myself into a box. Let me back out of that. I'll rewind. Um, So I I didn't mean to say that. I'm sorry. (laughs) So first, 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 believers should stand with Israel according to the word of God. God God told us in Genesis 12, 2, he told Abraham, he said, I will bless those that bless you and I will curse those that curse you. So if no, no other reason than a selfish reason, we should line up and bless Israel. We should do everything we can to stand for him because I want to live a blessed life. I don't want the God of the universe cursing my life. The next one, Jesus said in the New Testament, Matthew 25, 40, he said, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of these, the, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. And he was talking about the Jewish people. So whatever we do for the Jewish people, we do for Jesus. And I love Jesus, so therefore I love the Jewish people. We're also told to pray for the peace of Jerusalem in in Psalm 122, verse 6. And in in Galatians 3, 7, it says, Understand then that that those who have faith are children of Abraham. And if we're children of Abraham, then we are brothers and sisters with, with the Jewish race, with Israel. We're brothers and sisters with them. All right, so now because I labeled one B and one A, I'm going to put B first instead of A because A comes before B, so I'm, I'm going to put that first. We're going to talk about B first. <clears throat> in their platform, there's there's two sentences in a two-page dissertation of the Middle East that says, we support Israel. But on down in the verbiage of it, you see where they support the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, which the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action would enable, and it did enable Iran to actually um, uh, hurt Israel. It gave, them, it gave them freedoms to get closer to them, to be able to do things that could hurt Israel and, and, and made Israel, Israel vulnerable to Iran. And, and, and in a uh, news article in Newsweek, July 24, 2020, this is Newsweek, they said this, uh, the, about this party's platform, they said they turned all support from being pro-Israel to being pro-Islamic Republic of Iran and, and the Muslim Brotherhood. That's what Newsweek said about this party. Party A is pro-Israel. On May, 28, uh, uh, May 2018, uh, they restored sanctions on Iran to limit their ability to hurt Israel. Uh, they restored Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and moved our embassy there. And the reason they moved our embassy there is because if someone attacks their capital, they attack our embassy. And if they attack our embassy, they attack America, and don't nobody want to pick a fight with America. They just worked out a historic Middle East peace deal called the Abraham Accords. Five countries in the Middle East have now signed on to the Abraham Accords. That has not been done in decades. There has not been peace over there in decades. So I encourage you to look into that. Now, this next one... Um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I told him, thank you for letting me draw the short straw. I, a bald-headed white guy is about to talk about racism. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you ascribe if to a critical race theory, that, that says I can't say anything. But I don't ascribe to that, so we're, I'm going to talk about it. But, one, you know, Pastor Hector, thank you for not drawing the straw. Um <laughs> One of the higher Hispanic brothers could have shared this and it'd been a little easier. But <laughs> I'm really playing. Let me tell you something about me. I, when I came here, I'd, I'd been working at a church that was a predominantly black church for 19 years. My godsons are black. My, some of my best friends are black. I'm as far from racist as you can be. So let me, let me, let me give you a statement from the crossing and, and the pastors of the crossing. This is where we stand when it comes to racism. As as followers of Christ, we are all called to unity, and unity is not uniformity. Unity celebrates differences and seeks to live in harmony with one another while accomplishing our kingdom purpose on earth. As As a church, we value every color, culture, and class of people while staying focused on Jesus. We acknowledge and denounce all forms of racism that fight to tear us apart. We believe that we are all brothers and sisters. According to Acts 17:26, it says, "And he made from one blood every nation of men, to dwell on the face of the earth." We, we do stand with our brothers and sisters in Christ to move forward the agenda of the kingdom of God found in Colossians 3:11. In Christ, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. And in Matthew 22:39 39, it says, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Does not matter the color of our skin. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, pastor says we're all just different shades of chocolate. You know, I, I like to say, you know, because we're made from dirt, we're all just different shades of dirt, so we're we're all dirt bags anyway. So, <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't call you a dirt bag. It was a joke. It's okay. <laughs> so let's talk about some legislated racism here, okay? So we're gonna walk through a brief history of the parties and some policies that were put in place. This is by no means exhaustive at all. This is just to pique your interest to go do some research for yourself. If I gave you everything we found, we would be here until tomorrow at noon. And I know y'all don't want to listen to me preach that long. I don't want to preach that long, so (laughs) I don't want to do it. But anyway, um, Party B. So they were established in 1829 to keep and fight for slavery. They established the Ku Klux Klan. They established the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. They instituted a voting tax on black people in the, in the South. Now, the funny thing is I saw a commercial uh, for Party B a couple of weeks ago with a very famous uh, a, a black man who, was, who blamed the, party ta- the, the voting tax on Party A when it was really Party B that put the, the voting tax in place. But we'll see how all that came about in just a second. In 1912, Woodrow Wilson established racial segregation among government employees. This was the start of the Jim Crow era, which Jim Crow laws were were, were, segregation. Let's separate. Um, In 1934, uh, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt administration created a housing restriction called redlining. And if you don't know what redlining is, so what happened is you had... had, uh, soldiers returning from war, black soldiers, white soldiers returning from war. And there was, uh, the FHA was created to give loans to those, those soldiers who were returning. But during that time in housing in America, there were white subdivisions and there were black subdivisions. And the white subdivisions, black people couldn't live there. And in the black subdivisions, white people couldn't live there. So they, what happened is they redlined all of the black subdivisions, but they said, here's money for all of you except in the red line areas. It's called redlining. Look it up, it's out there. It, it was part of the national realtor thing. I mean, it, it's a real thing. In 1956, Party B created the Southern Manifesto, introduced by a Virginia representative, Howard Smith, in the House of Representatives. And, and Senator Walter George introduced an identical one in the Senate to replace to replace Brown versus Board of Education from 1954. Brown versus Board of Education struck down all the Jim Crow laws, which, um, remember, the Jim Crow laws were to keep us separated. So this Southern Manifesto didn't didn't fly nationally. It didn't make it. So what happened is states in the South adopted this this Southern Manifesto and kept segregation in place in 1956. Let, they led a 75-day filibuster against the 1964 Civil Rights Act. But then they, they realized, because they didn't keep that from being passed, that they were losing ground. So they, they figured out, we need to find a way to blame all of our sins from Party B on Party A. Because now we want the black vote because we can't win without it. So we're going we're gonna to make up this elaborate lie to say all the racist people left party B and went over to party A. Now, before I, I, I just want to look, at, you know, usually when someone's lying to you, a lot, if you step out of the fray of it and look at it, logically it just does not make sense. So here you have a party who was founded to hold on to racism and to keep racism. And, and they've been doing it for a century. And then all of a sudden, all the people that were racist in there said, "You know what? I want to go over to this other party who, that was established to fight racism and has fought it for a century. I want to go over there." I mean, come on. That just don't even make sense. So it, it is a very elaborate lie that was concocted in, in the '60s. Um, so I, but there's a great video about it, and it's on our website. Uh, by Carol Swain, who is a retired public uh, political science and a law professor from Vanderbilt University. It's called uh, Did the Democrat South Become Republican? Now she says Democrat Republican. I'm saying A and B. So y'all just, y'all, y'all go watch that and you will be mad at her if you get mad. Just, <laughs> don't be mad at me. I love y'all. I do. I promise you. I'm your brother. Don't forget that. Now you got to forgive me uh, of anything. <laughs> so and So, the next step, fast forward a little ways to the 94 Crime Bill Act. They passed that, which focused on drug arrest. It created the no-knock warrants. It created three strikes and you're out. So, if you don't know what three strikes and you're out is, if you got caught with illegal drugs uh, over a certain amount, then it was a felony. And if you had three counts of being arrested for that, you got life in prison. So, what could happen is you could get busted for three counts of some drug that's illegal and you got life in prison, but your brother go murder somebody and he's out in 20 years. How is that, how messed up is that? But they ain't the only ones here. Both parties got jacked up in the 80s. I mean, it, it, was, it was, I mean, I, they, I'll tell you about party A in just a second with the 80s because in 1980, there were 350,000 people in prison in 1980. And the reason being is before 1980, it, were, it was people who had actually done violent things to other people that were in prison. In prison in, in 2005, uh, what, 25 years later, there were 2.2 million people in prison in America. And the prison system became big business. And whenever something starts making money, greed gets in there. But anyway, we, we, there's a whole documentary on that. I'm not going to go on that. Um, so the drug charges under the three strikes and you're out became felonies, um, and when you're a felon, you have to put that on your, all your job applications so you can't get a good job, and you, have to, you can't get housing help. You can't, there's all kind of stuff that it keeps you from being able to do. All right, so that's the last thing on, on party A, on party B. We're moving to party A now, and they were established in 1854 for the abolishment of slavery. Ulysses S. Grant destroyed the KKK, with the Ku Klux Klan Act of 1871. They passed the 14th Amendment, which gave freed slaves citizenship. Said they were no longer property, they were citizens. And with 94% of Party A support and 0% of Party B support. They passed the 15th Amendment, which gave freed slaves the right to vote with 100% Party A support and 0% Party B support. And these are all voting records you can go look at. Abraham Lincoln was the first party A president. Dwight D. Eisenhower, who started the Civil Rights Act of 1957, was a party A president. They pushed and passed the Civil Rights Act of, of 1964. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King was a party A person. And in 1986, the, the, they, I told you, they all got it wrong in the 80s. So they came out with this anti-drug abuse act. I know we've all heard probably the war on drugs, right? Right? So let me tell you where they got it jacked up in the 80s. Now, you just take... They, they had different charges for different uh, different ethnicities. So in, with cocaine, so let's take cocaine for instance. Powder cocaine, it was a mandatory one-year sentence. Mandatory one-year, powder. Crack cocaine carried with it with the same amount a mandatory five-year sentence. Because... Powder cocaine was synonymous with Wall Street. Crack cocaine was synonymous with black neighborhoods. They got it wrong. They got it wrong. But then now you move forward into 2018, and there's, there's something that's happened recently that you didn't get a lot of press, but it's out there. It's called the First Step Act. went in place in 2018 to counteract all the stuff that happened in the 80s and 90s as much, as much as could be counteracted in the 80s and 90s, all the stuff that, that was gotten wrong and put people in prison. You had people, you had people doing life who just had a drug problem. There are people still doing life right now who just had a drug problem back in the 80s, and they, they were seeking to medicate themselves. So it, the, the First Step Act was put in place in 2018. It requires the attorney general to put in a merit-based sentence reduction program. It expands the Second Chance Act, which is a partnership with community-based organizations to help reacclimate prisoners to society, help them find jobs, housing, that kind of thing. It requires that the inmates be housed close to their primary residence where they were arrested. Now, used to, you could be arrested in Florida and you could be housed in California, and your family could never come see you because they would have to fly across the country to do it. So now this requires they be closed. And also this bill allows for the elderly and the terminally ill uh, inmates to be housed in their home with their families to live their last days. Very humane. It reduced the drug charges from the three strikes and you're out policy, the lifespan one, to 25 years. So you got a lot of people that are getting out now because of that. It gave judges the ability to give nonviolent drug offenders less than mandatory sentences. This was all about nonviolent drug offenders. First Step Act. Go look it up. And currently, there is a bill that is being pushed by Party A. A Party A senator actually wrote the bill. It's called the Breonna Taylor Bill, which is to do away with the no-knock warrants. It's being done right now. You can research all of this stuff. Let me tell you something. There is racism, but it's not coming from where we're being told it's coming from. Remember, Agenda-setting theory. Please go research it. And not just the four-minute video on YouTube. I'm talking about go research it. Go look at it. Go read some stuff. Educate yourself. Know what's happening around you. And I I know truth is hard to find. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is abortion. So I want to say this before I get into abortion. If you've had an abortion, look, we're not here to condemn you. I'm not here to condemn you. I love you. This church loves you. Jesus loves you. And we all want you to be healed. I promise you, we're here for you. We're not here to hurt you. But I have to expose an evil that has been perpetuated for the entirety of the human race. And so let's jump into it. Before, and and, and, so I want to tell you, before we start, the Bible says in Jeremiah 1.5, Before I knew you, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before the, the the sperm met the egg, you didn't know you was going to get a sex lesson today, did you? That's as far as it's going. I ain't going any further. No sex education today. We don't have diagrams or any of that stuff. So before <laughs> before the sperm met the egg, God knew you. God knew you. He knew what he purposed you for. And as soon as the sperm met the egg, he breathed you into it because immediately when that happened, there's a separate strand of DNA. It is no longer the mom's body. It is the baby's body. It's a separate DNA strand that is created, and God breathed you into that. Do you know at conception there is a burst of light? That's God breathing life, and there's life there. Let me, let, let me, let me help you with something real quick. One percent of babies are aborted because of a physical threat to their mom. 1%. I said that yesterday and I had a doctor come up to me in the lobby and he, he told me, he said, you know, even in that 1%, it's really far less than that that have to be. Because we can, we can help moms. And he started telling me how he could help moms and things that could be done. And my wife and I have actually walked with some moms that had to be bedridden because they would have lost the baby. And, and, and I wasn't going to say, say this, but my Godson... Was supposed to be aborted. And he's a black man. He's 20, he, he's 20 years old now, has his license in real estate, got a degree, sharp kid, but they, to, they told the mom, abort him. He's got a hole in his heart, he's going to have Down syndrome, he's going to have this, he's going to have that. She said, the devil is a lie. My baby's going to be healthy. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 31, Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of those who are unfortunate and defenseless. It's time for us to open our mouth for the defenseless. The lie that has perpetuated abortion, as far as history goes back, is abortion is about a woman's right for a better life. That's the lie. Now, before we can, let's talk about the foundation of abortion in America there's a, and as we talk about this, you've got to know about a guy who, whose name is Th- Thomas Robert Malthus, the founder of Malthusian Eugenics. If you've never heard of it, please do research. we got stuff on our website. He espoused racial supremacy and purity. He believed we should create an Aryan race. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> he, needed to, he needed to restrict the unfit and inferior from reproducing through segregation, sterilization, birth control, and abortion. He condemned charities for helping those who were less fortunate. He believed in the elimination of the physically unfit, the materially poor, the the spiritually diseased, the racially inferior, and the mentally incompetent. Then comes along a lady named Margaret Sanger, and if there ever was a supervillain in history, this is it. I could not believe the atrocities when I started reading about what she's put in place and the diabolical plan behind what she did. I want want you to listen. She was a disciple of Malthusian eugenics. She believed the government should pay the unfit to be sterilized in order to eliminate the unfit physically, unfit financially, unfit mentally, the diseased and the feeble-minded. She founded the American Birth Control League, which became later the Birth Control Federation of America. She started a first clinic in Harlem on November 21st, 1930 to restrict and possibly eliminate the black population. I don't know if you've ever heard of her, but if you haven't, you need to research. She convinced, listen to how she did it. She convinced black pastors, civic groups, business leaders, and that family planning and birth control was the only way for the black culture to come out of dire poverty and into better health. She convinced them. Then she used influential black people to form a council to make sure the community accepted her plan, including Dr. W.E. Brigard Dubois, who helped found the NAACP. She seduced them all into believing it, and so they supported it, because they were hurting so bad. And their people were hurting so bad. Diabolical. There's no other word for it. The ABCL started what they call the Negro Project in 1937, and the first one was in Harlem, New York. The ABCL merged with the Clinical, Bureau, Clinical Research Bureau to form uh, the, the Birth Control Federation of America, the BCFA, in January 1939. Here is a quote in a letter from Margaret Sanger to Dr. Clarence J. Gamble, the co-founder of Procter and & Gamble. And the only way she was able to do what she did is wealthy Americans funded her projects. <clears throat> Check this out. The, minister, the minister's work is also important, and he should be trained perhaps by the federation as to our ideals and goals that we hope to reach. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. These are her words. And the minister is the man who can straighten out that idea if it ever occurs to any of their more rebellious members. How evil is that? move forward to, night, to, to January 29th, 1942, the BCFA became Planned Parenthood. All this stuff started coming out about a year and a half, two years ago, and Planned Parenthood tried to distance themselves from, from this as fast as they could. They started taking down everything that, that, that talked about Margaret Sanger off their websites, off their walls, out of everything they had, because they didn't want people to realize the truth of the foundation of Planned Parenthood. The found, and if the foundation is corrupt, it is nothing but corrupt. That doctor also told me yesterday, he said, it is amazing. He said, I, kn- I, knew, I knew guys that weren't even doctors yet that were, doing, that were doing abortions, and they had yachts and mansions, and here I am struggling as a new doctor. He said, there's so much money to be made in abortions. It is absolutely ridiculous. This is coming from a doctor. He was in his, in his mid-60s probably. He's seen a lot. So let me give you a few stats on abortion. And see, the lie that gave this life is it's about a woman's right to a better life. Let me give you some stats on abortion. 38% of abortions are black women, or, or not, not black women, are done by black women. 29% are Latino. That means almost 70%, 67% of all abortions are women of color. And then 26% are white. They're hitting their target. Don't listen to what people say. Watch what they do. There are two historic people that believed in Malthusian eugenics. and One's name was Adolf Hitler. He killed 14 million people in the Holocaust. The other one's Margaret Sanger and since 1973 just since 1973 the passing of Roe versus Wade 50 million babies have been killed in america we call one a monster and the other a hero why is that yeah it's kind of sobering isn't it that's how i felt when i was reading all this stuff <laughs> welcome to my world this is this is not nice Political parties, how they line up. Party B supports and funds Planned Parenthood. Party A seeks to defund it and do away with it. It's just that simple. But I want to talk to something a little deeper and where this really comes from. Because agendas like this, these type of political agendas are spiritually driven. And if you go back in history, it was, it's created by a principality. So if you go back, as far as written history goes back, there is some form of idolatrous God that has demanded child sacrifice all the way through time. And in the Bible, it talks about Baal and Molech, and those are are gods that demanded child sacrifice. And it was the same lie. The lie was, if you sacrifice your child, you'll have a prosperous life. It's the same lie. If you get into studying principalities and powers, you can can track them through history and see how they manifested all through history. And back then, it was idolatrous gods. But now, now it's in political parties. It's not in political parties, but it's it's, it's in politics and it's in policies that are put in place. That's how it's manifest. But here's the thing. That principality demands a sacrifice, but we're going to get free today. The Bible says today in Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witness against you today, and I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. The problem is the people of God have, have come into agreement with this principality at some point or another whether it be by vote, whether it be by action, whether it be by encouraging people to have an abortion, whether it be with simply agreeing with abortion, no matter what it is, we've come into agreement and we live in a nation that has lived under this law. So we as a people need to walk through a point of repentance. So that's what we're going to do right now is, you know, the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, repent of their wicked ways, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their land. We're going to turn today from this wicked way. Can we do that? So we're going to pray this prayer out loud, and I want you to do it as a declaration. I want you to declare it like you are declaring this for your entire family because you are. You, you are breaking the hold of something that has had a hold of this nation and had a hold of our lives for, for a long time. And it's a principality who has manifest for thousands and thousands of years and has always found himself a place to manifest. So we're going to pray this prayer, and I want you to declare it like you're talking to a devil that's trying to destroy your family, because that's exactly what's happening. So here we go. Here we go. We'll say it out loud. Father God, Father God. I come before you now. I repent of my agreement with this satanic force that demands child sacrifice. I ask you to forgive me for my agreement with this evil. I renounce any tie in my life, in my family with this evil and command it to leave my life and leave my family in Jesus name and right now I take authority over that unclean spirit that has, that has wreaked havoc over this nation and over this people and I command you to loose and let go in Jesus name I command, I command the minds to clear now that have been seduced by it in Jesus name Lord we ask that you would just free us of it if, as we've stood and repented today that you would clear our minds in Jesus name Now. I want to y'all can give him praise. That's fine. We need to thank you, Lord, for setting us free. Now I want to speak to the ladies that have have been stung by this by this evil. Evil is seductive. Evil is seductive, and the thing about seduction is you don't know when you're being seduced. That's that's a key to seduction, is you don't know when you're being lied to and you're being drawn into something and and, and, and the enemy is so good about drawing us into things and then wounding us and then making us feel bad about being wounded. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Let me tell you something. If you've had an abortion, we love you, we accept you, and we stand with you. And we want to see you healed and restored and redeemed for the Lord. The Bible says in John 10, 10, a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, I have come to give life and life more abundantly. The enemy, the thief, would love to give you shame today. He would love to give you guilt today. He would love to give you condemnation today for the decision that he seduced you into. I take authority over all that right now and i loose you of it in Jesus' name. Jesus said, I come to give you life more abundantly. He wants to give you joy. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you hope. He wants to restore you. He wants to heal every wound that is in you. And we want to help also. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to make you, if you had an abortion, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I don't want to single you out. So on, on that voting page, you will see a button that says, Support for women who have been hurt with abortion. If you'll click that page, it'll take you to one of our community partners who specialize in this. You can enroll in a class that they do and it teaches you how to process through the pain of that and to bring some closure and restoration in that area. I encourage you to do that today. Now there are those that that you may not know Jesus as your savior. And I pray that you're here today, and I believe you're here. You're here online. You're in Plant City and South Shore, and I believe God called you in here. You know, in 1993, I gave my life to Christ. Before then, I was caught up in a life life that was just terrible. I left a bar. I I left a bar the night before. I'm sure I showed up the next day smelling like, like liquor. Because I just thought I'd go to church and make my mama happy. I was dealing drugs. I was fighting, getting in shootouts. I was was doing all kind of bad stuff. And I went to church to maybe hit mama up for some money at the end. And from the time they struck the keys, God started working on me. And I went to an altar. And I told the Lord, I said, look, man, if you're real and you can change me, Change me. Because the truth was I hated myself. I hated what I had become. And I wanted some freedom from it. You may find yourself in that that place today. Or you may not even be as bad off as I was. You might just not know Jesus. And you may have a great life. That's fantastic. You still need Jesus to get to heaven. And you still need Jesus to live the abundant life. He has a life for you that's much better than the life you're living right now. Because it's the life he purposed you for. And it's a life in relationship with Him. So we're going to pray this prayer. And then then, then we're going to worship for a minute. So let's pray. Everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes. Pray this out loud. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I turn away from my old life. I confess that Jesus is Lord of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead and you are my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to count to three and if you prayed that prayer for the first time, when I hit three, I want you to just shoot your hand up and keep it up. We just want to give you a card and get your information so we can help you along your walk with the Lord. So when I say three, raise your hand and keep it up. One, two, three. Raise your hands. Raise your hand. I'll see you. Come on, come on. Come on, I see you. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. We want to give you, we want to give you a card, I see you. Come on, praise God. Y'all give it up, man, God is doing a work. That is so awesome. Please fill that card out and, and turn it into one of our prayer partners. Or if you don't feel bold enough to talk to one of our prayer partners, just drop it in one of the black boxes that are throughout the building. But we want to connect with you and we want to help you in your walk with the Lord. We're here for you. We love you. We want to help you. We're your brothers and sisters in Christ now. Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. We're going to worship for just a minute. and Pastor Wade will be right out.